Hey there, pending pals. It's your not host, Ronnie. Just dropping in here with a little disclaimer. Um, We recorded this episode before December 1st, 2020, which, if you don't know, is the day that Elliot Page came out as trans. Uh, That being the case, we did in this episode use um, Elliot's former name as well as used she, her pronouns. Um, If that is something that will make you uncomfortable. We totally understand. You can hop ahead to episode 117. I believe that is part four of our Gaycation series. Uh, And in that episode and the one after that, we use correct pronouns and Elliot's chosen name. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the episode. In this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. not failing you maybe you're not trying hard enough welcome to ending pending i'm your host andy i'm both super and sexy and i'm evan i'm super i was gonna say super but not sexy but you know what (laughs) you're pretty cute you're a good looking you're a good looking fella ronnie maybe i'll say that i'm sexy but not super but i am Mm. super sexy and I'm Ronnie. Yeah, yeah. That's it, aren't we all? I love right. how confident the 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 cast and crew of Ending Pending are tonight. This Hell is yeah. great. Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season. We have currently declared no gods, no kings, and are covering our first two season show. Uh, Ellen and Ian Pages. Ellen, Ellen, nope, Ellen Page. Page and Ian Daniels. Ian Daniels. They're not married because they they're both, both homosexuals. They're both homosexuals. Uh, yes. Their Viceland docu series, Gaycation. We're currently covering, I guess, the first two episodes of season two. It, it was a special and then episode one, but like depending on where you watch it, it might be like labeled episodes one and two. It's confusing. But uh, before we get into that, I have a bit for us. What's the bit, Andy? Can't wait. So this show is a a little heavy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I I highly encourage our audience to be watching along with us because I think it's an important show to watch. But you might need a bit of uh, like a pick me up after. Or, you know, in conjunction. And so I thought it could be fun if we all recommended uh, some, you know, maybe some queer content that isn't a bummer. Oh. Mm. Uh, I, I guess it doesn't need to be queer content, but that's where my, you know, gay soul went. But, you know, maybe just uh, like like good, uh, th- you know, piece of media that really connected with you. And maybe, maybe it made you feel uh, happy and, or seen or something. I got one. Go, Evan. The Dragon Prince, which I have talked about on Ending Pending before. But, wow, what a show. What a show Dragon Prince is. It's definitely aimed at a younger audience, but that's okay. Uh, it's very wholesome. It's got some good good messaging in it. Lots of black people. Lots of black people in a fantasy setting, which it's a shame that I have to bring this up. But you never see black people in fantasy settings. You got lots of black elves, which you also never see in anything ever for no reason. Unless Um, they're evil, which is dumb and bad. Well, yeah, we won't bring drow into this. (laughs) Um, They're not drow, though, in Dragon Prince. They're just black people who are elves. And they're just regular people. They're not like they're not any particular alignment. They're just a whole bunch of elves who are black dope uh also dragon prince is the only show i've ever experienced where the absurd fan speculation about a tiny piece of content that was like a throwaway in the closing credits turned out to be real so in season one there was this uh this hot elf and in the credits there was another hot elf who appeared to be like making a necklace that was similar to the necklace that hot elf in the show wore. The credits were like concept art. Yeah. The credits were like sketches, you know, 
And so they, you have this, this like main character who has this necklace, who's a hot dude elf. And then in the, uh, in the credits, you just have these little like bits of sketched art. Uh, and one of them was another hot dude elf who appeared to be like making this necklace. It wasn't even clear that it was the same necklace. It was just kind of a similar necklace to the one that the guy in the show was wearing. And everyone on the internet decided like, that's his husband. That elf in the credits who's making that necklace is his husband and he made him that necklace and that's why he wears that necklace. And this is, if you have ever been on Tumblr.com, you're familiar with the exact sort of fan reaction that I'm describing here. This wild conspiracy theory fan reaction where people make insane extrapolations from little bits of nothing that mean nothing. Yeah, so it turns out that the elf in the credits making the necklace was the hot elf's husband, and he was making the necklace that the hot elf wears in the show. And they're it the daddies. Wild. They're the daddies they're the, of the main girl. They elf. are the two ato- adoptive fathers of the yeah the main character elf, which is just like more than I ever could have hoped for out of a children's <laughs> show. It was like it, I was almost angry that like the internet conspiracy theory was proven right because it was such. It was based on such a load of nothing, but like, wow, it was so good. It was so sweet. We love those elves. We stand forever. Love those elves. Yeah. And they do, they kiss on screen. Like they're, they're referred to as husbands. It's not like, like vague or, or queer baby, or they're just good friends or whatever. Nope. They're two gay elves and they're like lesbian Queens also in this show. There's a sound of there's such good representation in Dragon Prince. It's so good. It's so good. It's I need so to good. watch this. You have told me about it so many times. I need to watch mm-hmm. Dragon Prince. <sighs> Short seasons is my only complaint. People well, people bitched about the the very stylized animation in the first season. I didn't have a problem with it. They said it was kind of like clunky and jerky. It really did not bother me. Um, some people didn't like it. But anyway, everyone who didn't like it said that it got much better in the second season. So <laughs> that's just a thing to be aware of, I guess. Sure. What do you got, Ronnie? For my thing, I'm going to go a little closer to home. Um, I have been listening to uh, a little side project of the uh, Ahura Borealis team. Um, uh, that is, uh, oh, so many people. Uh, Alex Flanagan is, is, the, is the keeper for that. Um, and they are doing a show called Losers, A Love Story, which is a retelling of It Chapter 2, the movie that came out. Uh, a couple years ago with uh, Jessica Chastain and Isaiah Mustafa and James McAvoy, uh, yep, James McAvoy, um, uh, Bill Hader. Um, but I don't know why I'm spending so much time thinking of those actors, because that's not a movie that I have seen. I have not seen any <laughs> it content or read any it content at all because it is well documented. I'm a big scaredy cat. I'm a I'm a I'm a Frady boy. Um, and. I'm consuming this um, RPG retelling in the uh, uh, Monster of the Week system um, that is uh, so good and so pure and so gay. And I am just so, like, amazed that, like, people this talented are, like, in our circle. It is so humbling. Um, Check it out for sure. Losers of Love Story, Alex Flanagan, Addison Peacock, uh, J.V. Van Zant, um, Val Patrol. Val. Val. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Val is a rock star. Val is every. I, 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 so listen to Losers of Love Story, but then also listen to AHB 76, which is their Kids on Bikes campaign, um, where Val plays a baseball obsessed 13 year old. Val is the best i i, I own- saw 
Tim Tim and Andrew are both super yes. talented. MJ. Um Ryan um, on the editing. Yeah. Phenomenal. Every it, it's it's just like stunning how it's and it's and it's scary like 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 this this podcast i'm listening to is legitimately scary and i it's like just enough but it's also like hilarious it is it is like anything that that team does it is just strikes the right balance of spooky and funny and but like very well taken care of and 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 handled well and 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 it's a good catharsis like it, it literally got me through. I listened to the uh, the first episode to and from the liquor store uh, on election night, and it seriously like settled me out into an excellent place. And that's a uh, strong endorsement. Yeah. Oh no, it was <laughs> it was it was important. Um, everyone is just such a professional. Everyone is doing so well. And the best part is, is that since I have no like preconceived notion of the media. All of these amazing voice actors are the like canon interpretations. Like there's they they you know Val Patron is my Eddie Casperat. Like there there's never been anyone else doing that part, and it apparently it's that's the best way to consume it content. I have learned. Um, so check that out for show. Um, it's it's it it's gay, and it's just starting to get gay. So so dive in there while the gay is getting good. I want to be friends with JV. We've interacted on Twitter quite a bit, and uh, I, I I think they think I'm cool. I think they're super cool, and it, it's that weird, like, okay, we like and comment on each other's stuff. Are we internet friends now? Like, can I say that JV is my friend? I've never met JV. Sure. Uh, but yeah, the that whole crew is is so so talented and so rad, mm-hmm. and um. Any any of those people are hands down like an insta yes if they ask me to do something with them like sure. whether it's play a game or do a project it's like yes of course yes I'm there <laughs> they're all great absolutely Andy what's your thing my thing was gonna be Tyler Glenn's excommunication uh which is an album but it's also really sad and that's not what this is about. So I'm going with, uh, Cena Grace's, uh, arc, uh, on Iceman. He did an Iceman solo series. Mm. And, um, when I first heard about it, it was people bitching that it was not a superhero comic because it's only Iceman trying to learn what it means to be gay and approaching 30 uh, trying to come out to his parents and dealing with all of his ex-girlfriends now that he's out of the closet. And I was like, that is the comic I want to read. And uh, I was not disappointed. All those people bitching were right. And it's fucking <laughs> rad. Um, like, if you don't know, because X-Men, uh, the young original five X-Men got pulled to the future. And then little kid Iceman... I said little kid, he's like 16. Uh, like, kid Iceman comes out of the closet, and uh, older Iceman is like, uh, I'm like 29 and not gay. I don't know what that Iceman is talking about. I'm a heterosexual. And everyone's like, I don't know if that's how time travel works, Bobby Drake. <laughs> and he's like, Beast back me up and Beast is like, oh well perhaps the time travel made all of the younger X-Men gay and all the younger X-Men are like, no, we're still straight except for Bobby. And everyone looks at older Iceman, he's like, fuck, I'm gay. Fine, fine, I'm gay. <laughs> and um it's him like trying to figure out and learn as uh, you know, someone close to 30 what that means to like come out at this stage in his life. And, um, it's like him trying to date guys for the first time. And he kisses his first boy and then, uh, dealing with, you know, the women who have been in his life and coming out to them. And like, what do you do now with those friendships? Like we fucked, but I'm gay and we're on the same team and we live in this weird school and we fight crime. Why do we all live in this school together, guys? Is this really necessary? And, uh... We're adults. 
We should and move to he... an island full of tree houses instead. <laughs> it's, it's what they do. It's I great. <laughs> um, and then uh, Bobby, like, dealing with his parents, who have always kind of just been awful in the comics. And uh, it's really fucking good. It's a really fucking good X-Men run. Um, I came out when I was 25. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm -hmm. I came out when I was like 25 and uh, I could relate very much to uh, this story of like trying to navigate what that feels like. And uh, the art is phenomenal. Cena is a gay man and having, uh, you know, a gay person write a gay comic is who would have thunk a really good idea. (laughs) And uh, it's amazing. It's a fucking great Three, uh, three volumes, three trades. Go pick them up and read it. It is stunning to me when, like, people post, um, like, X-Men panels from, like, the 70s and 80s. And, like, maybe the 70s and 80s were just, like, a far more, uh, I will say, flamboyant time. But it is stunning that, um, like, you read these panels of Bobby Drake back then that he wasn't planned to be gay from from the onset like from the beginning like it's it's just it's it's just all the way back on the cerebro cast they they talk about uh on the iceman episode how uh iceman's intro panel is him uh sliding down a stripper pole while all the other Icemen are getting ready. And his costume was just like a Speedo and Go-Go boots. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they also talk about how Iceman has had multiple, like, single story runs, like solo arcs. And it is very clear from, like, interviews with those authors. And then uh, Iceman kind of disappeared in the 80s and got really big in the 90s and early 2000s that, like, creators had been... came back with the do-rag... That was the ultimate X-Men, and we don't talk about that. Uh, but the creators for a long time have been pushing for gay Iceman, and that this didn't just come out of nowhere, and that people who made that accusation clearly did not know their X-Men lore, one. And then two, even if it did come out of nowhere, why is that a problem if it's Shit comes out good. of nowhere in comics all the time. Yeah. Suddenly people are just whole other people. Uh, but yeah, that... I that, uh, Iceman run is is real good, and if you just want some like fucking good happy superhero action and also like romance sim superhero action, it's it's quite good. I also, since we're on the topic of comics and uh, gay authors writing gay characters, um, just want to hop in and say if you uh, have not like me have not been uh, keeping up with the floppies of uh, Emperor Hulkling, the Lords of Empire uh, by uh, Anthony Oliveira, uh, or Oliveira. Um, It is out, like, the whole Lords of Empire collection is out in trades, either now or very soon. So you can get that good, good uh, Teddy Billy uh, just smooches. They're real good. It's so good. I guess let's talk about this bummer show now. Don't say bummer show. No, well, the first episode of these two... Can I interrupt you real quick? Go for it. Hey, Andy, that was a really good bit. You're two for two. Oh, gee, thanks, guys. Yeah, like I... I've really been putting in the work this time. Thanks. Thanks for noticing. I love and appreciate you. Yeah! I love and appreciate you, too. I know you both do. <laughs> it's nice to hear. But no one said it, so I, I have to say yeah. it. Yeah. Listen, yeah. listen, what are we doing here if not for the affirmation? <laughs> um, before, before you kick off, Evan, I'm going to interrupt you again. Um, throw out, we want to throw out some content warnings because it, it, this show is immediately going to go a place. Yeah, uh, violence, content warning, uh... Queer trauma. Yeah, I mean, in both episodes, uh, more specifically in the first one, more dramatically, I guess. Um, But yeah, there's going to be talk of death, specifically murder. So 
be be aware. Take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Content warning, gun violence. Yeah. Check the tags. They'll be in the tags. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Yeah, always always check the tags for, for those CWs. Um anyway, the first episode out of this set of two was one that they did um kind of kind of spontaneously because the uh Pulse nightclub shooting happened like while they were in the midst of filming this series. I'm not sure exactly when in the filming schedule it happened, but uh Ian and Ellen were like in the US and so just a few days after the uh mass shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida happened, they went down there and interviewed some people they interviewed someone who uh had been injured and survived they uh interviewed a politician in orlando an openly lesbian politician they went to some memorial services and talked to the families of some people who had been killed uh that happened in 2016. I believe at the time it was the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history and then was very quickly eclipsed by the the shooting in Las Vegas that I don't know. Uh, I don't remember the year that that happened, but uh, 49 people were killed and 50 some additional people were injured. Uh, the Pulse nightclub is closed now it's still there it's essentially a permanent memorial now but uh yeah so that whole episode was them kind of uh just experiencing the fallout of that in orlando then the second episode they kind of went back to their normal format the second episode was ukraine and in ukraine they were uh toured around for a bit by a uh, gay performance artist slash drag queen. I don't remember his, uh, like, legal name, but his drag name was Guppy Drink. Um, He was was delightful. They did several segments with him. Uh, They met another performance artist named Misha, who was uh, internally displaced. In Ukraine, after parts of eastern Ukraine were invaded by Russia, um, they attended a same-sex commitment ceremony, which was not legally binding, because, of course, gay marriage is not legal in Ukraine. They interviewed the leader of what was effectively like a terrorist group in Ukraine that's specifically targeting and attacking gay people. Um, they spoke with, uh, a lesbian couple who was also displaced by war, uh, in Eastern Ukraine. And they spoke with a, an openly gay journalist who talked about the, uh, political and social revolution that happened in Ukraine at the time of filming. It had been two years ago. So that I guess was Round about 2016, so it will have been um, six years six now. years ago now, uh, and they kind of got pretty deep into uh, like the socio political situation in Ukraine and how that impacts the LGBT community and how the LGBT community has historically been treated in Ukraine and how they're perceived now. Uh, it was a lot. There was a lot going on. For sure. Ooh, fadufa. Um, yeah, this is a rough show. This is hard. I mean, I think it's important to watch. I think, like, of course, we all uh, know about the Pulse nightclub shooting. Um, I do think as much of a downer as it was to watch, uh, I think it's important to watch i think it's important to keep that in the cultural consciousness um but yeah it's it's hard to talk about because it was really a very um 
it was like I said, kind of a spontaneous uh decision to include this in the show because it it literally happened in the midst of them filming this show. Uh so it was just a very emotional episode. It was still very educational. It was still very telling about kind of uh like the state of the gay community in Orlando and around the country. Um, but it really focused much more on the immediate impact of like what happened and how it affected the individuals who were there and the individuals in the community and the parents and friends of the people who were there and the people who lost their lives. So it was, uh, it was a very, uh, challenging emotional journey to go through. Yeah, uh, the focus they put on the victims and then the greater queer community in Orlando, I think, was very important. Uh, as far as I caught, they did not say the shooter's name or show a picture of the shooter. They did talk to um, some other uh, Muslim queer people to get their insight on you know, how this affects them specifically uh, because Islamophobia always tends to rear its head um, whenever it's given the opportunity. Um, But I think it is, I think this show did a really good job of keeping the focus where it needed to be specifically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was, it was definitely contrary to how a lot of media around all of these type of events go starting to get better there but for the most part it was definitely i remember at this time in history it was definitely very focused on that individual and all of the news was covering what could be motivations and what could be this and that and a lot of speculating and it was a reprieve to not have to relive at least that portion um of the news cycle yeah, this is a thing that America does for some reason. Uh, every time one of these happens, and they happen all the time, let's not kid ourselves, we have mass shootings all the time in America. Very frequently. So frequently that it's, uh, like, I don't know about you guys, but I have almost become desensitized to it, which is horrifying to say. It's horrifying to think about the fact that you've been desensitized to, like, the brutal murder of dozens of people, but um, it's almost hard to distinguish one mass shooting from the next. We have so many in this country. Um, And yeah, I agree with you. That's a thing that media outlets, for whatever reason, uh, like, essentially platform the people who commit these acts of violence they they whether they survive the incident or not the media just wants to talk about the the murderer and what their life was like and what their ideals were and what motivated them and you know how they got the gun that they got and you know just all and there's there's almost never any any focus on the victims there's sometimes like a a kind of cursory, obligatory thoughts and prayers type of a sentiment. But, yeah, it was, um, as tragic as it was to have to watch that, it was, uh, definitely, uh, refreshing, I guess, for lack of a better word, to see these people's grieving process and to learn about the the lives of the victims and things like that. It was, I will say, it was, it was excellent to see um, uh, the discussion about um, Sunday Fun Day, um, about how the week after this happened, um, you know, queer people were you know, back to their routine, not 
in a in a sense that it they were putting it in the past, but in a sense of not showcasing fear. Um, I think a lot of what you know it, it is um, heartbreaking to think that there was a time when I had to explain why this was such a massive just a massive uh, harm done to the queer community to people but part of what I tried to say was just that this like there are so few spaces that are safe that are you know there there are no spaces that are always safe for queer people and there are some where the the harm where the danger is mitigated and this appeared to be one of them and that was taken away um and while i'm you know it was well i'm sure that the sunday fun day was done as a form of of you know um you know rebellion against against the fear against the anxiety against just the the, the crushing you know despair that that the community was going through it was still amazing to see people on the street talking about how they were mourning with champagne and mourning and 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 honoring people truly and and you know not letting something like this a terrorist event not letting it terrorize them into submission um i was i was uplifted at least by that much i mean like that's what pride is mm -hmm. and you know there's there's all sorts of questions from straight people as to you know why do you still have pride like you got marriage equality and why isn't there straight pride and and shit like that and it's uh because of shit like this um and this idea of we mourn with champagne i think is intrinsic to the queer experience of um you know our happiness our joy is rebellious and um sometimes that's all we have sometimes that's like the only tool in the arsenal to fight back or, or make a stand and um yeah it was very very powerful in this episode you want to talk about ukraine now sure yeah uh sucks to be gay in ukraine uh, who would have thought yeah <laughs> surprise surprise it's not as bad as jamaica um but it ain't great um so in the well first of all i just want to say the um <clears throat> the drag queen that they were hanging out with they did like two segments with uh this drag queen and uh this guy spoke english so they didn't like need a translator for him but as with a lot of people who speak english as a second language like just kind of like his like unique quirks that he had that he sort of like picked up in the translation from his his like native language for some reason delighted me just <laughs> this everything about this guy was just so so charming and he was so kind in spite of like getting treated like shit by everyone uh so in the in the first segment they went with him to a performance that he did at one of Kiev's only gay bars uh and it's like quite small it's like a liter literally like a basement and it's uh uh it was like well attended there were quite a few people there uh, but he does like drag performances and he was explaining that he's one of very few drag queens in Ukraine because it's just not like a cultural thing, even in the gay community there. And he just kept saying, like, I want to make art. I want to <laughs> I want to do art. I can't just be a regular gay guy. I have to be an artist and I have to show people my art. <laughs> and he was talking about how, like, 
oh, I met an old lady on a bench outside and she saw my makeup and she said, I love it. And he, he was just, he was just delighted by like people's reaction. He, he brought up several times, like fearing for his safety, like having to take taxis and stuff and how, uh, he's been beaten up before and how like he, he is afraid every time he leaves the house in drag makeup. But then he was just like, but I saw this old lady and she loved it. And I'm just like, yep, I got to keep doing it. I got to keep doing drag. And then later on, they went to a, a rural town that was his hometown. And he was like showing them old graffiti about him that like the town bullies had put up and like talking about how he got beat the, sh- he got the shit beat out of him all the time. And like, of course that was sad. I mean, it was, it was very sad to see him like explaining what the graffiti meant. And you can and, see that like it had stayed with him. Yeah, like, absolutely. On his face. But then when they asked him, like, how do you feel about the, the people here? Like, what are your feelings? Do you have resentment? And he was like, no, no, I don't have any like negative feelings about them at all. I, I just, you know, I hope that one day they'll understand. And man, it just got me. This guy is just, he's like the goodliest soul that I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't really like drag, um, especially in the U.S. It has, uh, it's very, like, cis and heteronormative now, like, drag has become, I feel like, and you can't go to a fucking, like, queer event without them being like, okay, it's time for the drag performance, because it's a queer centric event so there needs to be drag queens and it's like could we not this time can we just like fucking do anything else um that being said uh i love like transgressive drag and i think uh like specifically like trans and non-binary drag is really powerful and i thought guppy drink was very, very powerful. And, um, I think the kind of like commodification and plasticness that drag has become in the U S is a problem. But I do think that there are still people out there doing really like hardcore and powerful drag. And I do think there's still a place for drag. And I think guppy drink was kind of evocative of that. Uh, also, Misha was quite a character. Misha's my goddamn hero. I loved Misha. <laughs> yeah, so Misha's deal, he's, um, a fashion designer slash performance artist, sort of, and he's got, like, he's, he's a complicated dude. He's got, like, a public persona where he's, like, Okay, uh, his public persona is definitely ring, ring maestro slash jester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he definitely is using his real life experience to inform this, but like, because the guy the guy has been through a lot. He's been through a lot of trauma, and he almost certainly uh, has brushed up against, if not uh, fully toppled into a relationship with alcohol and or drugs. But he, like, kind of makes this an aspect of his, like, whole persona. Like, he very much has the vibe and embraces the vibe of someone who's, like, drunk all the time and burned out. But is just, like, chill and just, like, cruising through life. Um, Like, he was, he was kind of joking at his performance. Like, oh yeah, we do this twice a year when I'm sober. And he was like... He was, in fact, drinking the whole time <laughs> during this performance. He was, like, drinking out of Dixie cups. And then um, Ian went to his house afterwards. And, oh, I, I have to... The intro, like, when Ian showed up at his uh, his fashion show, uh, he kissed Ian square on the lips, and then he was like, who are you? Why, why are you here? 
like he seemed genuinely confused for a minute and mm-hmm. Ian was like and of course they had to use a translator also because he he didn't speak much English and um Ian was like I'm I'm from a TV show we're doing a documentary and he was like he seemed very like confused and Ian was like I'm I'm Ian Daniel we're doing a documentary for Vice the television network and Misha was like, oh, uh, super sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I just like cracked up. But anyway, uh, so Ian went to Misha's house and Misha made him eat a raw egg and also brought out an entire pig's head and was cutting strips off the ear and making Ian eat them, which Ian was very clearly not thrilled about, and then they were, like, drinking wine at breakfast. Like, it was it was clearly early in the morning, and they were just, like, eating raw eggs and drinking wine. And uh, that was when Misha kind of, like, got into, um, like, his experience with, um, like, having been displaced by Russia invading Ukraine. And he, he sort of talked about like a little bit like just a little snippet of his backstory and like his sort of perspective and philosophy on the political situation in Ukraine and then he stopped and was like oh no i i i i can't ruin my reputation by saying something intelligent and then he just like took another shot and i was like man this guy's going for a lot so it was very like it was charming in a way he was very he was very interesting to watch. He was a whole character, you know, he came out like dressed in a like shower curtain or something like that. Uh, but there's a, there was a lot going on and it's clear that not just him, but everyone in Ukraine, uh, has this like attitude of like resilience that was in a lot of ways very inspiring, but also like you you know what's under the surface there. It's it's challenging to watch because you know you know that there's there's a deep pain under that that everyone is dealing with. There's something about this um this uh, journey through Ukraine where like, I agree with you, Evan, like it is, it is, you know, it, it, Jamaica was like a whole different animal. Mm-hmm. Um, Brazil was, was a whole different animal. Like, um, there's just like something insidious about what is going on in Ukraine. Um, Maybe it's because, you know, in Brazil and in Jamaica, like, or at least in Brazil, legally speaking, like, it it could appear very progressive. Um, But under the surface, there's a lot more danger happening. Whereas legally in ukraine it is uh you know the 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 legal wheels are turning in opposition to queer people and at an alarming rate and with the support seemingly you know of, of course it, it it's it's um showing the the people that are that are opposed but seemingly the the people that are it just it just seems like there's a, a consensus among the people that like yes like this sinful thing needs to be done away with um what was really chilling for me was hearing you know verbatim the same sort of words and arguments i've heard from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my own church and people very close to me coming out of the mouths of these fucking evil political leaders and 
terrorists. The, the terrorist group. Yeah, yeah, the terrorist group that was specifically going around, like, hunting gay people. I mean, just echoing, like, word-for-word word stuff that I have heard my entire life. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's rough. The same playbook. Like, that's yeah. that, that's, that's terrifying. I think it was the the one lesbian politician in the Pulse episode where she was like, you don't get to choose how much you hate me. Like, you don't get to say, oh, well, that person took it too far, but I hate you like X amount. Right. And um, I really felt that with Ukraine. Of like, oh, wow, they're saying the same shit that, you know, mm-hmm. I've heard my whole life. Mm-hmm. And... I'm sure the people who have told me this my whole life would be like, oh, well, they're taking it too far. Right. But like, you don't get to decide where the line is when you hate me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like what Ellen talks about in, in the um, in the America episode that we talk, talked about last week. Like, you know, what Ted Cruz is talking about directly contributes to violence against trans men and trans women like and non-binary people like it is a one-to-one this is what happens when you spread this rhetoric this is what happens when you embolden these people you can't just wash your hands of what you've said and what you feel when this violence occurs like it's it's this is this is you are you are laying out the plans and laying out the playbook for people who are violent whether or not you are violent like physically you are clearly violent with your words and actions whether you are physically violent is immaterial because you are giving people the tools with which to, you know, make their, make their demons feel comfortable or make their, their prejudices, you know, feel valid. I spoke about it on the, my gay agenda podcast where like violence can look different. And to me, it is more violent to sit, in the pews of homophobic church every Sunday and pass the collection plate than it is to, you know, protest police brutality at and burn down a target. Like mm-hmm. I, I think it is more violent to attend that church service than to loot a Walmart. Uh, I do want to bring up how they were talking to, uh, uh, trans man named Mm. Fritz uh, who lived in Ukraine and they were talking about how um, he couldn't get a passport uh, like an updated passport uh, unless he underwent uh, surgical sterilization. Uh, That was the law in Maryland until 2017. And I know that there are several states uh where that is still the law where if you want to get the gender marker on any of your identifying documents changed you have to be surgically sterilized so they were talking about this uh and i mean it is like that's pretty egregious uh but we are not that far removed from that guys uh Mm -hmm. i know this firsthand because i was trying to get my legal id changed in maryland uh, right around 2017, when it became legal to do so without uh like proof of surgical sterilization, so just just bear that in mind when we, anytime you're tempted to say like oh well it's not that bad in the U.S. You're right to an extent. Uh, like we certainly queer people have it better in many parts of the U.S then they would have it in certain other places around the world. But um, we're, we're, we're just like a half step ahead legally and like socially. In the good parts. Yeah, in the good parts. Maryland is quite a progressive state also. Maryland's a blue state in spite of uh, having a Republican governor. Fuck Hogan. Um and uh yeah there's like i said there's there are still states in the united states where you have to uh like be surgically sterilized before you can change your identity documentation 
which is real archaic. It's real fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just... To echo what you said, Evan, and to also, like... <sighs> I, 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 like, they talk about how at a... um at a you know a, an equality rally i don't think they called it like a pride rally um but um at a, at an equality rally not far from kiev in ukraine they were um you know hundreds of these right wing terrorist types who surrounded people and um you know caused terror caused violence um and and like the the person who was in charge of that talked about like regrouping after that and re kind of doubling down on their um their efforts and like even just like this this was like followed up immediately after like the camera crew went around with some of these like um just evil disgusting people um like going out quote unquote hunting gay people and then a, an interview with their de facto leader um like it is I, like i i know that that kind of thing happens in some parts of the US i know that that kind of thing is is not totally expunged from our history but just like seeing seeing it so you know i guess that's like the insidious part about it just seeing it so boldface and seeing it so you know on display and accepted and having these people gather together in small rooms like recapping what happened and and having to relive that so that it can't happen again and going to you know self-defense training classes so that when you are you know attacked by neo-nazis as you probably will be like here's how to defend yourself it's just like it goes back to the idea of like what we were talking about earlier of just just being queer anywhere is an act of rebellion and loving and celebrating while queer is an act of rebellion and just like how every stride and every step and every um amount of progress even the smallest smallest thing of being able to be out in the world and say so or hold hands with 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 your significant other um is that that in itself is just such an act of not only rebellion not only defiance but just like an act of so much effort and so much work and so much thought and and everything is so fought for so hard it's it's just like uh, it, it like you know it leaves me a little bit speechless to just like i don't know it, this is this is clearly like my my privilege showing that like i am having trouble grappling with this but like it is just so so heartbreaking what really pissed me off was how fucking cowardly these goddamn skinheads were. Like the video of uh these these two gay the the guys who got married, they did an experiment where they like walked down the street holding hands and they had like a secret camera filming them, uh just to show like the everyday discrimination that queer people face. And they sit on a bench and they're not even overly romantic. Like, they're kind of cuddling, but it's not any sort of PDA that would, like, draw an eyebrow if it was a same-sex couple. And they're pretty immediately surrounded by skinheads who, uh, like, have them very clearly outnumbered and are taunting them and... I guess the skinheads realized that, like, these two dudes were, like, not pushovers. Like, they're both pretty big, 
masculine, whatever that means, guys. So the skinheads pepper sprayed the shit out of them and then started beating them. And like, what a fucking cowardly act. Like, you couldn't even just fight them with the fact that you had them like four to one. You had to pepper spray them first. And then when they went around with this fucking skinhead group, they're all wearing fucking stupid ass t-shirts, you know, like masks over their fucking coward faces and, you know, talking about how like, oh, like, you know, they're going to blur our faces and stuff. And like none of the queer people in this have their faces blurred. Like Misha's not having his face blurred. Like Mm -hmm. fucking guppy fish is like, taking you around his hometown. Like, the queer journalist, who is very clearly, like, a known figure, isn't changing his voice. Like, goddamn, it made me so fucking mad. Also, uh, when the camera crew was following this little, like, posse of, uh, like, neo-Nazis, uh, the, the one thing that they like got up to while the film crew was around was there was, there were these two like older dudes leaving a liquor store, like clearly just two dudes who were friends, like not even, they were, they were not even within like eight feet of each other. They just happened to be leaving the liquor store at the same time. And these like young neo-Nazi dudes ran up to them and was like, Hey, do you love queers? Do you love queers? Fight me. Fight me. Do you love queers? And it was it was almost comical in its like ineffectiveness. Like I don't know what they were trying to do. I don't know what they were trying to accomplish. They just wanted to get up in somebody's face and think- like make themselves feel powerful basically. It was I mean, it wasn't funny. I don't mean it was literally no. funny. I just mean it was it was pitiful, really. I mean, it shows, you know, what, you know, a, a platform being that there's a camera on them and some anonymity will do of just mm-hmm. like, it. you know, there's no consequences right now. And I want to look as impressive and tough as possible for like this, you know. They're they're flying their their Nazi flag basically of just like yeah we're part of this group and and here's what we do and you know it is I'm gonna like, shove a sixty year old man right. as he leaves a liquor store I'm a big man yeah, yeah. it was it was yeah it's it's you know and and you you wonder of course like they're hiding their faces like Andy said they're 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 you know very concerned about their anonymity and it's like well what are, what are these people doing like in their day-to-day like are, are are these like the political leaders are these the you know your neighbors are these like are these the pastors or the people who sit in church and you know ha- ha- pass around the collection plate and all they need is a little anonymity to you know make that playbook more active than they claim it is like it's it's just like you know and to andy's point none of the queer folks are shirking or hiding or or keeping themselves under wraps it's it's you know it is it is just like so like cartoonishly obvious who the you know not not that the life is this black and white but it's it's cartoonishly obvious here who the good guys are and who the bad guys are and it's just lost on so many. I loved Misha. Misha was so good. Misha needs some therapy. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I love, like, I, I fully agree with you. He was, he, he clearly knows what he's doing as far as, like, his sort of, uh, like, persona that he's created. Um, but, like, the dude's been through a lot been through a lot of a lot of dark stuff um but yeah i in general and this is true of the like the two guys i talked about and also there was uh, a lesbian who was running like an lgbt 
support center and she was so powerful she yeah, had such she, a powerful energy yeah ellen asked her something like what you know something something in the vein of like um what's it like to to like be attacked at a parade like that and then have to live in fear and she said oh i'm not living in fear like this woman mm-hmm. <laughs> this woman was like too much for me honestly when they uh, when they first show her she's in like i don't know if she's like in a blazer or a sweater or something like that but then in the interview she's she it's like in a in a tank top without sleeves and it's just like oh she's she's gonna leap through the screen and just murder me and it'll be fine it'll be just fine she is infinitely more courageous and inspiring and powerful than like any any fucking republican like i'd rather be in a foxhole with her than fucking dan crenshaw mm-hmm. fucking spineless son of a bitch um but what i mean is uh and i i pointed this out before but it was like throughout everyone they they interviewed in ukraine there was kind of a sense of like defiance and resilience and grit that was really palpable in Ukraine. And it's maybe because there's been so much political upheaval in Ukraine just very recently. And mm-hmm. I mean, like in the last handful of years, there have been, they were talking about the, the revolution that happened where uh, like police killed like 200 protesters over the course of several days. Uh, and like a bunch more people are missing after that. Maybe it's just because they've already, like, been through so much. Like, these young people have already been through so much in their lifetimes that they're just not willing to take being stepped on. So there was definitely, in spite of how overall negative the situation is in Ukraine, there was definitely something inspiring about that there was something uplifting and just like the attitudes of these young queer people in ukraine daring to live life as fully as they can and like not be afraid yeah i don't know if i can think of anything else to add after no, that i think that i think that sums it up pretty well Y'all should watch this show. Uh, it's it's a real real good show. It's real important. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we have any listeners who aren't queer. Uh, <laughs> but if I'm sure we have a few, I'm sure we have a handful. But if you listen to our show and you're not queer, you should still watch this show. It's still a really good and important show that has important fucking shit to say. And if you listen to our show and you are queer. Uh, Ellen Page is basically like queer royalty. So like mm-hmm. watch your fucking show. I have been feeling like, you know, we, we have been pretty consistently saying that like the show is sad. The show is heavy, but to like call it a bummer, call it depressing. It like doesn't like do the show justice. Um, and we've been saying that, but I have been mildly concerned that like, it might be, you know, too heavy for people to experience right now with with all that's going on in the world that is unresolved and things like that. Um, but I was uh, uh, give a little shout out to Squid Boyo on on Twitter, um, who's been following us for a while and kind of just talked about uh, how cathartic listening to us have been, um, gave a little bit of uh, of their story and and shared uh, a bit of that and how this you know hits close to home but in a in an uplifting way in a way that we're moving forward so i am i am glad to hear that good good to good to hear from the community um squid boyo thanks for thanks for reaching out to us on twitter um and i'm I'm glad to hear that we are not just really just laying the heavy on on too thick with y'all thank you for thank you for uh i want to say indulging us but but you know this is a a tough show to watch in large chunks so 
we've got a couple more weeks of this and I'm, I've, I'm, you know, of course it's heavy, but I feel very enriched from being able to, uh, experience the show just as a consumer, but also being able to, um, talk about it with, with y'all, y'all, Andy and Evan and, uh, and sharing that with, uh, with our listeners. Uh, I will say that our last few episodes are um, France and India. India. India is a, a rough one, but India, France, the Deep South, and then the Trump special. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, like, I'm kind of excited for the Trump special now. Like, it's easier to watch this now that we've voted him out. Yeah, yeah. now that he's fucking packing. Um, the looking back at the like complete despair I felt in 2016 is, uh, I think going to hit differently now that we're on the the other side of this, uh, latest election. Mm -hmm. It will be, it will be good. It will be good. It'll still be hard, but it'll be good. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But yes, that is that is what is on the horizon. That is what's to come. Um, uh, thank you for sticking with us. Um, don't know what we're gonna do after this, but we've got we've got some time before that happens. So, um, follow us on Twitter at Pending Pod. Follow us on Facebook at Pending Pod. Follow us on Instagram at Ending Pending. Send us an email, pendingpod at gmail.com. Um what what do we say? Be gay, do crime. Hell yeah.